It is time for another journey deep into the lining of the magical talking hat. Hat wranglers Tony and William reach into the yawning chasm that is the hat and pull forth the questions you have posed. Will they tire of your question quickly? Is your name Azure Talon? Then perhaps they will. But then perhaps not. But that will remain a mystery until we venture into the magical talking hat. Okay. We are recording! Tough crowd. Uh, I'm doing an experiment tonight, trying the audio without the headset. This is an experiment to see how it goes. This is definitely not a thing where I sat down and realized I left it in the other room and didn't want to go get it. Definitely not that. Science happening. It's deliberate. It's planned. I want to talk to you about something. Okay. I've been wanting to talk to you about it for weeks. I keep forgetting. Oh. I want to know if this is a thing or if it's just me. I don't. I feel like it can't just be me, but I haven't talked about this with anyone before, so I don't know. And you'll be pleased to know it has nothing to do with sex or toilet practices. Great. Yes. <laughs> so we have peanuts in our house. Uh, we have the big honking jars of just like shelled, lightly salted peanuts um, as just a good snack thing. And we've especially been stocking up since we've been in, at home because it's a quick snack, you know, real easy, right. that kind of thing. And that's nice. And Trish really likes them. Trish has been having them at work before. I, I really have a thing about unshelled roasted peanuts. A thing? I really like them. Oh, you like them. Okay. I like them a lot. And so I've been now getting some of those. And I like them. You can, I, I like having something to do with my hands. And the roasting on unshelled peanuts to me is better than ones that have been shelled. Because I think they've been roasted afterwards. Something about being roasted in the shells is tastier to me. Okay. So the start of this, otherwise it doesn't work at all. Is, have you ever eaten unshelled peanuts? When I was growing up, um, those were the only type of peanuts we had around the house. Me too. I I think they sold shelled ones, but they were like way more expensive. And so we never had those. I mean, I think, I think my father in particular liked them better. So, so you're saying, yeah, a common thing I will do is I'll put some in a bowl. And if, if you're by a trash can, that's great. Otherwise, I will take a different bowl, and that'll be the bowl for the shells. Sure. Uh, often it's useful. I can take a bowl. Like if, if there's a bowl that's not clean, I can be like, well, screw it. I'm just throwing shells in it. So whatever. Right. So right, I do right. that. So right. you have the bowls, the two bowls, wherever you go sit down. <laughs> and the peanuts are nearby to grab, but the one that you focus on is the one with the shells because you open them over the bowl so that you don't send dust and skin everywhere and all that. Peanut skin is an incredibly weird and frustrating thing of life, but I won't get into that. That's a different time. So you're doing this, and it's nice, and you eat the peanuts and all this, and you open them up, and oh, this one looks 
shriveled and weird. Maybe I won't eat that. Or maybe it's a really tasty. I don't know. We'll find out. I always eat them. Um, and, you know, oh, this one, oh, this was a trick one. You know, it looked like it had two. There's only one in here. Like, oh, oh I got one of those three. One, you know, all the business. The peanuts are a wild ride. But at some point, it's going to happen. You will have been eating for a while. You will have amassed a fair bit of shells and detritus in the bowl. And a peanut, or more often just half a peanut, falls down in the bowl. Into your shells, yeah. Yes, yes. If it's early on, not a problem. You can sort of fish it out. If you get lucky and it falls like in the cup of an upturned one, like sometimes you get lucky. Most often, it's in there. You're probably not getting it back. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're persistent. But yeah. you're right, it you work at it, but that's the thing is you work at it. I still, my, my percentage is not good. If it goes out <laughs> of sight and there's enough shells yeah. and I've still got peanuts. I've got a ton of peanuts, <laughs> but it hurts. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm, 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 I'm calling it in this man up being titled of the episode lost peanut despair. Like really? Huh. It's really I when I can't find it, it I something feels wrong. Like it it's sad. It's not right. The this what what cruel unfeeling universe would let this happen? Kind of thing. Hmm. Is that and alternatively, when you're looking for a long time and you're just about to give up and you find it, that's oh, that's the sun has come out. It's beautiful. It's I'm saying this more and I'm realizing that as someone who suffers from clinical anxiety, this might not be nearly as universal as I think it is. Um, How do you feel when that happens to you? That's a very good question. I really was the whole point. Um, I mean, I haven't, you know, we've had those around this house a little bit, but actually not that often. So I really have to remember. And here's the thing. Uh, when I was a kid and we ate peanuts like that, um, you know, sometimes we would just, we wouldn't have two bowls. We just have one bowl. If you have few enough, you can do that. But I find it to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, you, you can't have too many. That's right. Um, but I, I think, no, I don't think... Uh, I don't think if I lost, like you said, it's usually half a peanut and I couldn't Every find once it. A while it's a hole, and that one just seems like an extra kick in the nuts. No, no, no pun, pun intended. intended. Right. Like, which is weird. Uh, Cause I've literally never used that as an expression, but I used it this time, but I genuinely didn't mean it as a pun. I don't know what's happening, but like that one, I'm like, that's not even fair. That was a perfectly whole one. It hadn't even separated yet. Come on. I mean, I, it seems like I have had, had pretty good luck searching for them and finding them, though. I don't think uh, I don't think I give up too easily when I'm looking. I think I find it usually. You're but, choosing this time when I open up my vulnerability here to throw a little shade on my. <laughs> no. You don't relate to this because you find them. <laughs> well. I see. If, I mean, if you're I'm level-headed and determined enough, you can find your lost peanut. I'm very persistent. Other people just give up. Well, remember what I said. in their own crapulence. Remember, remember what I said before. I usually didn't have two bowls. I only had one. Mm. And as you point out, I probably didn't have very many. 
right? Because that would be, you know, that would cause too many problems. So I probably didn't have to look that hard either if I dropped one. It's, it, it's a thing for my world to the degree that every once in a while, I'm like, why do I eat these? Because it's not, and it's not just the despair. Like there's so many levels. The despair of losing them only comes after the intense like moment of panic when you drop it. And then the scanning hurriedly, and then and then it's just sort of the slog through. Come on, it's got to be. It feels different than everything else. It shouldn't be that. This is not a big bowl. I know it's got a lot of shells in it, but it's not a large like. The the search area is very limited. Like, this should not be. But I lose them. It seems like there might be something else going on. Like it's it's actually symbolic of something else in your unconscious, the peanut and the loss of it and be. being unable to find it. Seems like, could maybe not. Maybe you just really like peanuts. Maybe you just really like peanuts. I don't want, know. I want Hatters to write in on this though. I cannot believe I'm the only one experiencing lost peanut despair in life. Do you feel this way when you lose anything else? Drop. Not really. I lose shit all the time. It's not really a big deal. Um, okay. But the peanuts. Any other, like, is is there any other food item that if you drop it or lose it or can't locate it, it upsets you? Or you thought you had some in the fridge and you don't, and now you're like, where did it all go kind of thing? No. I mean, if I wanted to eat something and it's like, oh, you don't have it, then I'm sad. But it's not the same. Huh. Usually if I just drop something on the floor, I'll just eat it anyway. <laughs> so that's not a problem. Dude, I had peanuts earlier today in this seat. I got up and did things. I came back. There was a half peanut on the couch right where my butt lives. I ate it. Yeah, I had one of those. I had a butt peanut today. I was Is giving it, Trish crap about that because the other day she had like three of them in bed and I was like, what did you do those? She's like, I ate them. Oh, bless you too. I think she sneezed. Um, You're sneezing in the kitchen, yes. Is it, do, is it the work that you put in? It's like, hey, I put work into this. I, I actually dedicated some of my effort to finding this peanut and now it's gone and that's a waste of effort. I mean, it could be. I, I have a definite animosity with the shells. Like, the, I fucking hate them once they're done. Like, and the skins. I remember I mentioned the skins. Peanut skins. Like, if you gave me a biblical myth and the, the, the punishment for original sin wasn't pain in childbirth, but was that peanuts have skins on them, I might convert. Like, that makes more sense to me. Well, now. The idea of a God punishing us with peanut skins. Makes as way I, more sense to me. As I recall it, one of the main ways that a peanut would drop, or where I'd lose one, is if I was trying to get the skin off. And, and it and I, shoots out of the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. That's definitely a thing. So, so maybe it's, it's related I usually, to, if the skin isn't coming off sort of it's on, on its own, I hold it in both hands <laughs> carefully. Because, yeah, I can just, and it's gone. Yeah. And that's really annoying when that happens. Yes. Mm, I don't know. These are powerful emotions to me. I need the Hatters in on this. Um, hello, by the way, everyone. Welcome to 
the Magical Talking Hat podcast, the only podcast in the world that's willing to talk openly about lost peanut despair. With just a few dollars a month, you can help us eradicate LPD in our lifetime. Thank you. Won't you? Won't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. This is Little Mira. (laughs) Every day, Little Mira is given a bowl of peanuts. There's only like three in there. But she has really stupid fingers. And so every day, she loses half of them. And she also has really stupid eyes. So in a bowl with like six peanut shells and like three lost peanuts, she can't find them. It's over. That dumb. But it shouldn't be a punishment for being stupid in the eyes and fingers. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This one got away from me a little bit. I was not I was not prepared where that bit was going to lead me. I knew I, I, I started to feel a loss of control when I had to add that she also had stupid eyes. Like at that point I'm like Yeah. Yeah, you're, that was you're, you're slipping, you're slipping and I don't yep. feel like I got it back. You were that was definitely down a bad cul de sac right there, but yeah. I, it, yeah. it tickled my funny bone anyway. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, I'm okay, Tony. Calm, calm down. <clears throat> and I'm William, and this is episode 481. You didn't even look down. <laughs> nope. I didn't write it down or anything. I just remembered it. Nicely done. Thank you. Positive. Uh, for those of you just joining us and think this is a peanut-based podcast, no, it is not. Here's how this show works. We have a hat. It, this is like the lowest budget adult swim. Okay. You know, people listening don't know what you're doing. They, no, you're... no. <laughs> those people. Uh, we have a hat. It is magical in that it has its own email address. The magical talking hat at gmail.com. Folks <laughs> like yourselves. Good folks. Helpful folks. Draw the note cards. No, they don't. <laughs> Never mind. That comes later. Those folks I just mentioned earlier, write into that email address, themagicaltalkinghead at gmail.com with little notes, comments, questions, topics, things like that. The hat, all on its own, magically transmogrifies those emails into little note cards with the information written on them manifest within the hat itself. We, it's peanut despairing servants, draw the note cards out of the hat at random, uh, read them on the air, talk about them till we're bored, do that for about an hour. That's the whole show, except the parts that aren't, which is most of it. The thing you're seeing behind me is just a blanket that I have to support my head. <clears throat> my Rona hair is getting to the point where I almost could tie it in a ponytail. Yeah, mine too. That's a bad sign for me. I may have to start thinking about a haircut. We'll see. How is your week? 
Um, it was okay. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yes, you just did. The end. Can I ask you more questions? Yeah, go for it. Have you ever heard of mutual pretense? The answer is probably no. I mean, I know what both of those words mean and they make sense to me in a phrase. So I could oh. give a working definition of that phrase, but as like an official thing, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just, I kind of, this phrase was introduced, this term was introduced to me just today. I, I guess it's a term that's used in the field of uh, medical communication. I didn't know there was a field for medical communication, but I, it makes sense that there is one. Hey, I broke my arm. <laughs> um, and what it means in that context, apparently, based on what this physician was saying, and I, this physician was an oncologist, if I recall. Uh, it's in, in, uh, in, a, in a clinical situation where somebody, usually the patient's family, I guess sometimes it could be a practitioner as well, I mean, whoever, when they... <clears throat> When they talk about uh, the patient's situation, e euphemistically all the time. Uh, even to the extent that they don't, uh, that they say things about the patient's condition that aren't entirely true, like that, that maybe the patient's condition is better than it really is kind of thing. I think you're gonna have to give me a, some example here. Well, like a cancer patient, for example. Um, let's say the patient is terminal or and that's not a good example. Let's say that, um, let's say that, that the whole thing's kind of 50, 50, right? Okay. <clears throat> but everybody talks like, oh, the person's totally out of the woods. You know, everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, get another two weeks, they'll be walking out of there, whatever things that, that if, the physician is there hearing all this conversation might be tempted to correct with more accurate information. Like, well, actually, no, I mean, anything could happen. I mean, it's two weeks is way optimistic. You know, there's probably no way they're going to be out of here in two weeks or things could take a turn for the worse. Okay. You know, but, but the fact that it has the word mutual and it means there's at least two parties involved. So yeah, is this a, a circumstance where the doctor goes along with it? Yes. Okay. But I, th I think the, I th my understanding is the reason the, the doctor is encouraged to go along with it is because the doctor is supposed to understand that everybody knows what they're saying isn't entirely true. Which means you have to as establish that already. Yeah. Some you have to have had a frank conversation about the test results or whatever. Right. Well, well in, the clinical, uh, in the clinical environment, yes, you're probably right. Right. Or you have some other cue that tells you that, um, you know, everybody knows what's really going on. They're just, they're just saying all these things because, you know, they want to keep upbeat or optimistic. Whatever their reasoning is, it, there's mutual pretense in, in a clinical situation. Interesting. <clears throat> now, there's not <clears throat> a really dark story as to why you learned this term today, is there? No. Okay, good. You said you just learned it, 
And I'm like, so were you engaged in this? Which means you or someone close to you is in dire medical condition? And <laughs> No, a person, <clears throat> the physician who was talking about it was bringing it up in a context where he was applying it to something else other than the clinical. Okay. So you learned this in essentially an academic context. I learned it in a, in a, in a, a, a physician was, was basically wrote an essay, kind of a, a political commentary. Yeah. So you learned, you learned about this in no relation to yourself or anyone, you know, no, 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 sorry. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but, um, what he was applying it to was um, political situations where he suspected that um, uh, people, whether they're on the right or the left, whatever, people say things <clears throat> that are kind of the party line, quote unquote, and they know the thing they're saying is, is either inaccurate or even totally untrue. Yeah, that's not the point of it, right? Yep. The point of it is to signal to other people, hey, I'm part of your group or whatever. <clears throat> and so, and so it's that it's doesn't not, feel like a good analog because uh, in a political situation, it's much more misleading for one's own. Like it's it's not a coping mechanism or anything like that. It's genuinely to deceive others. Well. Okay, so see, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I wanted your thoughts on it. And, I, and it's interesting what you just said because <clears throat> um, I, wonder if it, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if, because as I've told you in the past, like when I first left home, <laughs> I spent like a decade thinking I knew what people were talking about and I didn't know what people were talking about. But then I spent like another five years thinking that, uh, that, that some people were, um, that maybe people just didn't know. I mean, I certainly didn't know things. I figured that out. But that other people also didn't know certain things. And that lasted for maybe five years. And then like another five years went by where I, did, I realized, oh no, they do know these things, but they're lying. They're just flat out lying. Kind of like what you're saying. But then, it's some, I don't know when this happened. It's, it's been some point since after we started podcasting. I started to get the notion that Have you got a, a P guard on your mic. Yeah. There's a weird, I can see it. I can see a little bit of just sort of waffle pattern across your chest slightly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what yeah. the f is that? <clears throat> but, but at some point in the recent past, I, again, it was sometime after we started podcasting, I started to realize, no, no, these people aren't lying. They're using euphemisms and the euphemisms might not be factually true. Like, for example, let me give you an example. Like, let's say you and I are in high school together and our, uh, our football team has never won a game. They're playing a game right now. We're there watching the football game and they're losing. But we're there shouting, we're number one. We're number one. Well, we know that's not true. <laughs> but we're not lying to each other. We're not lying to anybody. We don't intend for anyone to believe literally what we're saying. <clears throat> if it's it's a euphemism that we're sharing for a particular social purpose yes and to that extent i can think of a political situation of that and it comes up constantly in an election you you constantly refer to your candidate as the next whatever 
Sure, that kind of thing. Yes. But, but what but this so I that's that's one of the few occasions where I can feel it because the other version I can think of is when some member of the Republican Party says, "No, I don't think the president ever lies," and you know for a fact they can't really think that but they're doing it to stay with the right team. But I'm like, that's a deceptive thing. They also don't want us to think that he lies. But, okay. And they mostly don't want to be known as somebody who recognizes that he lies, even though it's incredibly obvious, because that will make him mad. But what this guy was saying, and, and the reason I'm talking about it is because I was already thinking this way myself a little bit, was that, <clears throat> okay, Let's use that example. So the person says that the president didn't lie or doesn't lie or whatever. Okay, so they know that none of their political opponents are going to believe that. Yeah. They also know, I think, this guy thinks, and I also think they know that none of their political allies are going to think that because their political allies don't actually have a problem with him lying. They don't, they don't care that, Trump lies, especially if he lies to the quote unquote right people. So they don't, assertions that he doesn't lie is not going to bother them. Now, I suppose there's always the, there's always the, the, the independents and the politically undecideds well, that you can public. say they're trying to lie to. It's the public. Yeah, I if guess. the public was definitively made up of people who absolutely were aware he was lying and people who absolutely didn't care if he was lying, you could absolutely totally say, he lies. That's fine. But yeah. that's not the case. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I see what you're saying. There's, there's always... Because sadly, there are a lot of people out there who genuinely don't think he lies. No, no well, th certainly there's a group of people who aren't enemies or allies. They're just people in between. They're, no, you know, but they're I think there are allies amongst the voting populace that genuinely don't think he lies might be i they haven't worked real hard to look into it but <clears throat> yeah there might be i mean there probably are statistically speaking there probably must be but it's like uh, some of the people i don't really know i don't think i know anybody who's like a diehard trump supporter i mean they would vote for him because he's the republican nominee or whatever but they're usually pretty critical of him and yeah but his diehard supporters exist in in disconcerting numbers yeah but i also <clears throat> i also do i also have run into people like who are online you know who are who are giving commentary who seem to acknowledge i don't know they see they seem to acknowledge that the things that are said about him aren't true like they know they're not true but it's okay to say them because it trolls the libs or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's some of that too. So I don't, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is right. But I thought what this guy said was pretty interesting. And, and you know, I've been, I talked about this on the podcast before about euphemisms. I mean, there are some euphemisms that are real things that we use in our culture that nobody really believes are factually true, but we say them yeah. because they shut people up or they, they, they signal to people, hey, we're not going to talk about this or there's no point in talking about this. But I, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's probably, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to think about it some more because I think there are definitely some things that are said that you're correct, that they're outright lies and they're deceptive. 
but I think this guy still has a point about some other things. Well, and I, I think you're right. And I think if you dig into a lot of campaign promises, you get some of that. Mm. But it, but the problem is it's, I don't think it's as cut and dried. Yeah. 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 A lot of candidates I really have liked in various things have promised things that as soon as they said it, I'm like, I know for a fact you can't do that. But I still like you, so I'm not going to call that out. But amongst the people they're courting for their vote, some of them believe they can. Sure. How about how about things that just about every politician says in like a nomination acceptance speech about how great the country is and about how I'm everybody's president and you know we're going to bring everybody together? You think some of that's euphemistic? Like they don't they know that (laughs) they're not going to be a president for everybody. They're not going to bring everybody together. Yes, uh, but again, like, to me, this doesn't work as the same thing as the medical situation. Because you think they want some people to believe. Unless, yeah, unless in the medical situation, the pretense is, and we haven't told so-and-so, so let's all go along with it. Well, he didn't mention that. No, and I don't, as you defined it, I don't think it's that. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it is a euphem, I think, I think. The political examples are all essentially a euphemism to some and a lie to others in the public and in in the people you're courting and things like that. Because there are a lot of dumb people who believe what their favorite candidate says, like for real believe it. Well, I do think here's another aspect of it, getting away from candidates, but but looking at um, pundits, uh, pundits and... and, um, like radio hosts and stuff like I'll give you an example um many many years ago I worked in an office where the guy who ran the I was like a I was an assistant to this appraiser and uh, he listened to Rush Limbaugh which was on like four hours a day and it was terrible I mean it was like you know at the time I this was so long ago that, you know, I couldn't just look things up on the internet if I had a question or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I had to keep up with the news with newspapers and stuff. And so there was a significantly more challenging to keep up with what was really going on than it is now. But I knew a lot of the time when he was saying stuff, it was like sometimes just outright wrong. And then um, some controversy came up about something he said. And, uh, I think he had to walk it back or something, but, but he said, one of the things he said in response to the whole thing is, look, I'm not a, I'm not a journalist. I'm an entertainer. He said, yeah, which I think is probably still his line. I'm sure it is. And, and when he said that, I, I, I thought to myself, now I could take what he's saying as being really cynical and disingenuous, but, the way I actually took it and the way I would still take a day is this is how he sleeps at night, basically (laughs) where he, he can just say whatever he wants, convince himself that he's just entertaining a bunch of people. Everyone's laughing. Everyone, maybe they have a little, maybe they have a little outrage over the Democrats or whatever, but then, you know, when they're done listening to him, they don't really take what he's saying seriously. Or if they do, that's their own fault. Yes. And that absolutely fits the definition of pretense. Yeah. The mutual one is if it's actually true and it's not true for a bunch of people. It is true for yeah. some, I'm sure. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true for for Rush Limbaugh. It's true for most political pundits. I was going to say it's true for everyone who works on Fox News, which is true. It's also true for pretty much everyone who works on CNN and almost everyone who works at MSNBC. Like, these are not journalists. These are entertainers. But they'll tell you that every once in a while, and the rest of the time they're busy doing a pretty good impression of a journalist. Well, they don't – they also – they don't seem to mind being mistaken for a journalist, right? It doesn't seem to bother them. I exactly. mean, I mean, you've got now, now, um, John Stewart and um, John Oliver. They don't like being mistaken for journalists. No, and they work really hard at that. And I think that's fair. But, but other people, and Rush is one of they them. They also don't get caught in lies and shit. Well, yeah, that's a funny coincidence. Right. Well, and it mostly because, you know, they, they are comedic, they are doing comedy. I mean, it might yeah. be news based comedy, but I, I don't, I mean, I, some people have criticized them as, Oh no, it's really news. No, it's not. It's comedy. I mean, some of it, some of it is factual, but like, yeah. but I don't think they ever, I will put it this way. I don't think they ever try and present the, the, the jokes as facts. Well, no. And also, I mean, to me, when when Saturday Night Live does some political satire or whatever, it's the exact same thing. It's not yeah. you, you can't you know, I, I know they've done polls and stuff that say that a lot of people will insist that they get their news or their primary news source is one of the comedy news shows. I think that's a huge mistake. Well, I don't and I, think but I also think doing that's, that. a, that's a whole other argument, because, I mean, John Oliver talks a lot about genuine facts and figures and processes and things like that. But like I said, none of what he presents, none of what he presents as a joke is ever lined up to look like a fact. Well, and also, but also he, he, there's a lot of opinion. I mean, Oh yeah. And he'll say that he'll be like, this is stuff to consider. Like not, there's no real reason. There's no real reason to think you get, you're watching the news, but if you're, but if when you're listening to, I mean, again, this is the only, exposure i have to rush limbaugh is working at this place for a year and having yeah. to listen to four hours of him every day so it's this there was no question that he, there was nothing about the presentation or anything of this show that indicated hey everybody listening don't take this too seriously this and is there still fun. isn't alex jones tried to pull the same shit yeah no i think i think bill o'reilly maybe tried to pull the same shit. i don't know i've yeah, walked around it is a not uncommon argument when they get called out for some bullshit. Well, like I said, this, this is something that, again, recently in my life, I've been trying to understand how there are certain things people will say that are not, not yeah. true, but I'm starting to learn that they know they're not true. They don't think anyone else thinks it's true. It's just one of those cultural euphemisms we use mostly to shut people up. Yes. And in most of the political things, I think the bit where they don't think anyone else thinks it's true is not true. Yeah. I think it's more like they don't care whether or not anybody else thinks it's true. And sometimes not even that. Sometimes they willfully know other people think it's true and are capitalizing on that. fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yep. I mean, that happens a lot. In a medical context, it seems interesting and vaguely benign. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, in a political one, it always feels manipulative to me. Yeah, yeah. No. Yep. I agree with that. 
but pretty much everything in a political field these days feels manipulative to me so yeah especially these days it seems like but i mean it's probably always been that way i don't know yeah i mean i mean you know growing up i think um i i mean nobody ever told me as i was growing up hey look out for those politicians you know they're opportunists or they you know they're, they're they might tell you something that's not true or you need to take it with a grain of salt i mean i nobody really no yeah when i was growing up um i that's mean like a standard thing well it wasn't lie lawyers are only out for themselves like there's but it, it was it was a like a string of jokes about it exactly a string of jokes it was like the the used car salesman yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. joke but but we bought used cars from perfectly decent people all the time see i knew all the used car salesman jokes and i never met a used car salesman until i was like in my teenage years and we went there and there was a dude in a check leisure suit <laughs> opened up to mid chest with a gold amulet and i'll tell you right now this was at a time in the world where that was not a look I was absolutely shocked. I was like, he's a walking caricature. It's amazing. But we, but we also heard mother-in-law jokes all the time. And all the mother-in-laws that I knew people had, they got along with and it was fine. So it's like, you know, it, it was a stereotype. And, I, and I, I guess I assumed there were some politicians like that. But we also learned that, you know, um, politicians are public servants, right? And, and it was the same thing. We learned all, all kinds of positive things about the police, about the military, right? Yeah. I mean, you just, you're just taught, I mean, especially in And the, some of in, it's euphemism. Some of it is, I don't think we knew as much as we know now. I mean, that's why I, mean, you know, I, we should really segue into this because it's more important. I'm not in favor of the violent protests that are going on currently but I sure as shit get it. And I get that people are like, why can't they do this peacefully? Well, in, in some cases they're trying, but also they've spent decades, centuries at this point, doing it peacefully and it hasn't been working. There's a reason why people are calling this the Fed uprising. And so while I'm very sad at all the terrible stuff that's happening, Part of me is a little excited because part of me thinks this may actually do something for once. Because we're at a point in our lives where we have, not a point in our lives, we're a point in our society where we can get the information very quickly. So these protests started and with days we were finding out what the cops were doing in response and killing more fucking people and creating more outrage. And it's scary, but in some ways it feels like it might be effective this time well i think one thing that's different <clears throat> about this time is compared you know to the the t race riots in the 90s and in the 60s and some of the things that happened in the 70s is uh you are getting more information on the ground for example you're seeing uh you're seeing some of the uh protesters try to stop some of the looters and some of yep. the, you know. So and you're seeing live footage of international rallies and in support. Yeah. I mean, that's, so it, and that's, but that's always been the thing. The politicians may or may not have always been as crooked or corrupt or whatever, but now that we are in a system of surveillance 
everything is watched very carefully and it becomes it it's similar to the doping scandal in baseball or doping scandal in most sports there's there's a, a structure in place where either they can't or they or they're led to believe they can't function without certain cutting corners certain chicaneries certain things like that mm-hmm. there's the we've all been we're all functioning under a mutual pretense that you can't be a politician and not be at least a little underhanded yeah that's true you're right about that and those of us that really think that's not acceptable our response for the most part has been to be, make sure we never get involved in politics <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, which unfortunately yeah, yeah. does not ultimately help the situation. Because, um, I mean, even, you know, I liked him. Obama did some fucked up shit. I well, mean, I, nothing compared to what's been happening the last four years. But No, no, no. But well, there was think, some shit, and there was some shit he didn't talk about, and there was some shit that he should have talked about, and there was some shit that he shouldn't have done, and yeah. <clears throat> I think that... To me, it's very meaningful that a lot of what makes uh, a lot of what's making this moment different than before are basically citizen journalists, right, with their camera phones, making sure they document um, things that are going on. Yep, yep, and we we get to see it. We have the information because because there was a time when all of the same stuff that's happening now, if it were happening. All we would be getting is whatever's running on the news. And that would be like a five minute segment, probably just showing people breaking windows and everything. And nobody would even, there wouldn't even be cameras trained on the people that are peacefully protesting or giving stirring speeches or anything like that. Yeah. So. And the altercations, we'd just be getting the word of the two parties involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd have right. to know who to believe, which still happens far too often in other situations like sexual harassment and rape cases and so forth. We're still stuck in that. But things are changing. And officer body cam footage is becoming a huge thing. Yeah. And to the degree that nobody really buys it when, by coincidence, the time that guy died, the camera malfunctioned or wasn't working or, you know, that's right. That's that right. kind of shit. We don't, we, we won't handle that shit anymore. Yep. yep. Um, and that's the thing. The more we know, the more we have access to, the more we can see through the bullshit. Yeah. And, and start demanding better. And, and we can't pretend it. I mean, people are still pretending right now that this is all about some dude named George Floyd. Rush Limbaugh, in fact, is pretending that right now. He, for fuck's sake, was on The Breakfast Club. I I, I both am sorry and terrified to have seen that. Charlemagne the God, it's a hardcore uh, black radio show. And they had Rush Limbaugh on there and it went about as bad as you'd expect. Is that the one, but that's the one where Biden told him if, if, if you can't figure out yes, who you're yes, going to vote. Yes, it's the same fucking show. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and everybody's doing, you know, I'm, George Floyd needs justice. Yes, that is true. But there's, this is a systemic thing and we're seeing it. And I love 
television. I've never been more proud of late night TV hosts, which is to say I've never been proud of late night TV hosts. <laughs> but as a group, they all came on and said, hi, I'm a white guy. I probably shouldn't talk about this. Here's a black person to talk about it. James Corden had Reggie Watts on there. Seth Meyers had Michael Che. Uh, somebody had W. Kamau Bell. I think Conan had W. Kamau Bell. No, Conan. Like, well, Conan had Van Jones. I don't. Okay. Well, he recently some... he also had W. Kamau Bell. They are oh. stepping back and saying, you know what? I'm not the one who should speak to this. No. Let's have a very smart, well-spoken person who actually has to live this talk about it. Uh, Seth Meyers has had Amber Ruff, one of his one of his writers, talk about her experiences with the police and things like that. And some people are figuring it out. That video I sent, that horrific, important video. Yeah. Some of the responses I had were like, "Thank you." It. You just don't know what you don't know, which to me means they didn't know. Yeah. Most people were like. Yeah, I knew this, but it, it, you need the reminder. Um, but some people, I think, learned from that. Uh, and I think this is teaching a lot of people, and it's bringing it to a head. And it's the length of time is impressing me. This isn't one night where people are going, this is weeks of protesting every day across the world. Yeah. And terrible shit is happening from it. And people are dying on both sides, and that sucks. But it feels like something might actually be fucking happening. Yeah, it does kind of feel that way. And I, and I hope so. I mean, we have an amazing capacity to forget lessons we've learned. So maybe it won't. You know, maybe we'll settle it down and say, okay, now we're really going to talk about this, and then we'll be distracted by something shiny. But it well, feels but there's... more like it than it has in a long time. There's, there are so many things to talk. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the main thing that's being focused on right now, which is so important, uh, is, is police brutality. And I mean, there's, and there's got to be some things that we can do about that. We've, you know, the militarization of the police over the last couple uh, decades is just ridiculous. Uh, There's people, I mean, there's nothing about a, uh, police brutality and, and the things that are going on with police that people haven't been complaining about, particularly the black community for a very, very long time. Yes. Um, I, I, I think I saw someone somewhere, someone quoted Will Smith is saying this, but I'm sure lots of people have said it is that uh, it, it's, it's these, these things have always happened. They're just being filmed now, basically. Yep. Yep. And, and so, you know, and, and there were other people outside the black community who also noticed these things were going on and, and were trying to work with the black community to address some of these things. But it, they could, just couldn't get the political umph, I guess, to make, I mean, some of the things I suppose have changed here and there, but like most of it didn't, obviously. And hopefully the more people you get who can understand it and who, who won't be in denial about it, um, you know, maybe the, the issue of police brutality will, and the militarization of police will be addressed, but, but you still have to address eventually, or along with it, you know, why are, 
black men disproportionately more than anyone else disproportionately represented in prisons in the first place. I mean, what's going on with that? You know, why is that happening? And from there we can break into all sorts of fun stats, like why black women die in childbirth so much more statistically than, than others. And I I do want to put in here because we are two white guys talking about this and uh, arguably not doing anything about this personally. Um, I'm not out there protesting for a variety of reasons, most of which involve me being lazy and and tired and old. But I am aware that I don't get to get off the hook. And uh, Trish and I have, I researched some charities to help and we are giving a a not, a a decent chunk of change because I firmly believe, you know, if, if you don't feel you can, you can help fund the people who do. Yeah. And, you know, we have the luxury of giving a serious chunk of change, but a little bit. I mean, ever since Trump got elected, we have several charities that we give like 10 bucks a month to. Um, and that's, that, you know, what helps, what helps. I found out today, or at least I, I saw this statistic and it was from an, an official site. I, and I don't, I don't remember how old it was, so I don't know how up to date it is, but I mean, it's probably within the last 10 years or so where it, it said that nationally one in 26 black men is in prison. Yeah. But for Iowa, it's one in 17. Wow. And that makes us third in the nation for incarcerating black men. <sighs> There's, there's two states above us. I think the Vermont is the top one, and it's like one in 15 or something. And I think that's just like 15, 16, 17 is us, and we're the third. I'll, I'll bet there's a correlation with percentage of population that is black, because we also are over 90% white. Yeah, the black population in Iowa is pretty small. And it's not – so it's not like – like maybe my first thought was Mississippi because Mississippi's racist as fuck, but Mississippi has a lot of black people. So this can be one of those things where it's just not thought about. Like if blacks are in enough of a minority, it becomes a sort of exoticism thing. And then it can cause all sort of knee jerk racist reactions that haven't been considered because you don't have to, because most of the time you're walking around, you don't see a black person. Right. Exactly. So it's not, it's, it's, it's a racism built on negligence. It's a racism built on unfamiliarity. And real ignorance. Like real, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, just don't know. Yes. You know. Like it's, black people to me are a story I have heard. So I have all this weird reaction built up when I see them in real life, which can lead me to rash decisions. Yeah. Um, we haven't got so a lot yeah, of time I mean, that was I, disappointing to see that. Yeah. And and it's something to work. We're never done. Keep working. I've been impressed with the level of display that has been a protest in Iowa City. Uh, it's been scary. They've got tear gassed and shit, but um, the police are not handling it well, as has been the case in a lot of places. But I'm impressed. Iowa City's not a town that, I mean, originally they had a peaceful protest downtown last weekend full of white people. That's what we do. But no, there's been some serious shit going on now. Um, good on them there's a curfew here I, I suppose there's one in iowa city too parts of iowa city but i think the part i mean i mean we don't know because we don't leave but yeah i think so 
I do want to, we, we're running out of time and there is something else I want to talk about that is unrelated to this. Oh. Um, we saw a movie last night that I want to talk about uh, specifically because it's one of those, I, I liked it, I didn't love it. I, it's a passive recommendation for everybody, but it's an active recommendation for you to the degree that you may have already just seen it. Um, Vast of Night. Oh, I haven't seen it. All right. You should. I think you will like it a great deal. Okay. Um, it, what is it again? It is on Amazon Prime right now. It's brand new. I've heard of it. And it's the framing device for it is, is essentially a, a knockoff version of the Twilight Zone. And it's, it's framed that way. You come in and there's a TV and they tell you what the show is. And this episode okay. is called Vast of Night. And you keep having these bits in between where it goes black and white and you're seeing it on a TV screen again, but then it goes black to color. And it's, there is nothing particularly original here. It is a story set in a small New Mexico town in the 1950s. And uh, there's a weird sound coming in over the wires and over the radio, and we don't know where it's from, and it might be from space. Oh, yeah, that's why I've heard of it, because I saw a review. I, I was just reading some general news, and, and this review popped up, and it sounded like a positive review for this thing. And I'd also something in the title of the review indicated that it was like low, like it was an independent film, low budget or whatever. So I was curious. And so I read, I read the review. And I think, I think, I think it is pretty low budget. Um, most of the people in it, I had never heard of. Uh, and yeah, it's not covering any new territory by any stretch. What it's doing is it's very interestingly filmed and it, and this being said by someone who was born in 1977, it really nails a very realistic 1950s vibe. Okay. <laughs> right. So much of it is just interact. Like the first 15, 20 minutes, there's nothing sci-fi involved at all. And it's these huge, long shots throughout the movie. And like the opening is one of the two main characters is the local radio DJ. And he comes, there's a basketball game at the local high school and he comes to help set up the stuff with the guy who's going to record the game and, and announce it and everything and go through this whole thing. And he meets up with this teenage girl who just bought her first tape recorder and on his recommendation. And so he goes through this thing where he's like trying to teach her jokingly how to interview people and stuff. And it's like 20 minutes of them. The whole thing's just a long tracking shot and seeing different people and talking to different people. And, it, and nobody, it's a very fifties vibe and everybody looks that way, but it, in, but it feels very normal. It doesn't, it feels of that era, but it doesn't feel stilted. In that long shot. Does anyone eat pie? No, but I think pie is mentioned. Oh, well, it has to be. Everyone um, loves pie. I also will say it is PG-13. Okay. They had exactly one F-bomb. Okay. Which is you can get away with in PG-13. You can do one. If you want more than one, you're, you're fucked. Uh, but it's, and it's the 1950s, but it's very appropriate. It's that same guy when something big happens and he steps away and he's by himself and he says it quietly, quietly under his breath for a second before he gets his shit together and goes back out. There is no blood, no gore, no violence. Mm. 
It is entirely family friendly, save that your children might get bored. But you didn't uh, like it though. It's a very slow, what? You didn't like it? I did like it. No, I liked it quite a bit. Oh, 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 oh. okay. Um, that you said you didn't care for I it. liked it as a period piece. Oh, okay. And it's very well active and it's very interestingly shot. I will say this, and I, I suppose this is, I liked it fine as is, it's wonderful, but I suppose this is a heavy criticism. I don't think it should have been feature length. Oh. It should have been the length of like an episode of The Twilight Zone or something like that. Oh, this is an yeah. hour and a half long, which is a short feature. Yeah. <laughs> and it's totally worth it, but there are times where we'd spent too long establishing the atmosphere in places. Hmm. And it, and, I mean, and it, and it took me out long enough to be like, I wonder how much is left of this. <laughs> um, which a lot of movies do, which is, yeah, and, yeah. And, and this one, like I said, I kind of understand why in some movies it does that. And I'm like, this just means that this movie was boring. Yeah. Um, or this just means that I drank too much before I went to the theater. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it would have been better in a shorter format i think it would have worked better for it it's 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 a short film format that's been stretched to an hour and a half and so it yeah. doesn't it doesn't fit right. but it's good it's good it's very well shot it's very well produced it's very well acted and it has a neat feel and it's it has that cool sci-fi feel but it doesn't it it doesn't, it feels, it's an homage. It doesn't feel like a parody. It doesn't feel like somebody just trying to recreate an episode of the Twilight Zone. The production feels modern. The setting feels like the 50s. Okay. Uh, and I think, I, th I think it's cool. Like I said, I would passively recommend it to anyone, but you specifically, I think, would really like it. And it's just, you know, it's sitting there free, so whatever. Well, in a way, you're the second person to recommend it, so I should probably see it. Yeah. And it's, you know, short and not offensive or okay. anything like that. Um, every once in a while, there, there are a couple of places where we make winking references. We're telling these stories out of modern science about how things are going to be in the future. Oh. <laughs> and, and, like, there's three stories, and one involves automated highways, and one involves uh, trans transcontinental underground uh, trains, mm -hmm. and one involves tiny phones with TV screens on them. And the listener uh, in question really buys into the first two, but thinks the third one will probably never happen. <laughs> little, little, little on the note, I was like, you didn't need that. You, you're better than that. That kind, kind of funny, thing. though. It's kind of funny. A couple. Uh, there's one spot where they. There, there's one spot where there becomes a race issue because somebody involved in is black, mm -hmm. and we do that thing that we do nowadays in movies, where. Our our protagonist has to respond in a certain way so that they know we know they're one of the good white people. Oh yeah. And it just feels a little forced. Not too bad, yeah, but it yeah. feels a little bit. Um, but, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it was good, and I think it's worth watching in general, and I think especially you. Will. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can get a good quick question out of this before we're done here. Yeah. Question. Oh. 
This is from Beth. Hi, Beth. Hello, Beth. Hi, Beth. Do you think she watches or just listens? I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious about that, too. Go to the blog. Tell us. TheMagicalDogCat.com. Tell us if you've been watching it on YouTube or just listening. Um, excuse me. Excuse me again. Wow. Good radio. Do slash did you eat the same thing for lunch while home during COVID-19 isolation as you do, presumably slash did, on normal weekdays? Why or why not? I'm going to take this minute to be annoying and point out because this comes up a lot. Y'all have to write why or why not or anything on a question. We Probably. First of all, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. But <laughs> second of all, you think we're going to be like, like we're going to read that question and we're going to be like, yes or no. <laughs> and then next question. I mean, I do that as a joke a lot, but I just say it as a joke and then we talk. I mean, it really, we've talked way too long about questions that we should have approached that way before. So we're going to discuss the reasoning and stuff when we do it. You don't, you don't have to prompt us. Um, it's not like I'm writing these or anything and get annoyed at having to write extra letters. That's not it at all. I'm just, for your sake, I'm saying you don't have to do that. Anyway, questions about isolation are probably just fucking useless for you. Because you are living the same damn life. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, except my wife is home. Yeah. But as you said, she doesn't hang out with you. So actually, I suppose this could apply because she used to come home for lunch and now she doesn't talk to you at lunch. Okay. Okay. She used to come home for lunch. Then at her new job, she didn't come home for lunch. Okay. Now that she's home, she's, she doesn't. she's home for lunch again. But are, do you actually have lunch together? Not I all thought you the said time. She, you didn't. You said she usually just sort of worked through. Yeah, not very often. But we do sometimes. All right. And, and when we do, I mean, last time I talked to you about this, we probably hadn't, probably hadn't at all since she started. But, but now as, that it's a longer term. Yeah, now that she's kind of gotten used to it and, and also the, it's getting into the summer, you know, she works for a testing place. So things are slowing down. So she can take uh, she can get lunch maybe. And usually what we'll have is what we used to have when she worked at the other place and would come home every day. Oh, more. And less. when, but, and during this time period when she didn't have lunch with you, you ate something different. Yeah. I just, because when she got the new job, she didn't come home for lunch. I've fixed my own lunch kind of thing. Just for me. I didn't you know. Nobody had to fix a lunch for say both of us. Yeah. 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 Because sometimes we, sometimes we would fix our lunches separate. Sometimes someone would fix for both of us or whatever. So I got in the habit of like just making the same, like a sandwich, same kind of sandwich every day or whatever. I was going to say, the story gets a lot more interesting if you can discuss any details about either version of lunch. <laughs> no. So when she started working at this new place, whatever I used to have when she would come home, which would vary some, you know. I just started having pretty much the same thing every day, which was a sandwich, maybe a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or maybe a cheese sandwich or something and chips. And that's like what I would always, always have. Um, when she started working at home, I would still have to do that because she'd be working through lunch really. And maybe I'd have to bring her something or whatever. And then 
now that she can take breaks every so often, um, sometimes we, you know, she'll want a salad and decide to make us both a salad. And that was a thing we had a lot of the time when she would come, when she worked at the other place. Okay. We have like a big, a big dinner salad type thing for lunch. Not every time, but we'd have that a lot. But, but we, but I mean, I think, I think when Beth asked this question, she's wondering if, you know, well, if you're working from home and now you you're, have time to have something where you're not packing a lunch or whatever, maybe you would have a nicer lunch. Or a well, and I lunch. think this is interesting in your case because, I mean, indirectly is because of COVID, but it's not. It's because it's, it's whether you're eating alone or with your wife. Yeah, mostly. I yeah. find that interesting. Mine is because of COVID, but is the exact opposite of what you're talking about. Hmm. Before this, because the producer and I work at the same place, we went out to lunch every day. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Various restaurants. Now, we do a lot more just making, like we have stuff to make sandwiches. I got a bunch of cup noodles. Remember, I ordered a bunch of cup noodles. Those kind oh, yeah, of things. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes we will order food delivered or I'll go pick it up or something. But even in that situation, it's different because before we were limited by the places we could go to eat and get back in about an hour from our work. Now we don't have that limitation as much. Um, but I will also say there's a grazing element. Uh, like just yesterday, I had breakfast and it was a pretty big breakfast. She wanted donuts. So I went and got her donuts and I went and got Wendy's breakfast. And it ended up being a fair lot of food for breakfast. So at lunch, I wasn't that hungry. And I kind of usually work through lunch now. Um, So I just had some peanuts. And that was it. And then I think in the mid-afternoon, I had a fudgesicle. But then consequently, we ended up ordering dinner because it was day night and we were going to watch the movie. And we ordered earlier than we normally would because we both hadn't really had lunch. And we're like, we're hungry sooner. So we'll mix it up like that or like tonight. I may just grab a couple of things. I don't know. But in general, our eating habits have changed a lot being home. Uh, but yeah, specifically lunch. Yeah, we used to go out every time and now we don't ever. So, I think for us, it really is mostly the same. I mean, because even when she worked, she wasn't working from home, she might skip lunches at where she worked. So yeah. I think it's mostly the same as it always was. And it's the at same home, kind of stuff. At we work, we don't do it because I in the work environment being able to step very clearly away from it for an hour like like we wouldn't even go to the cafeteria at work because i'm like no that's still at work yeah right right at home the pressure's not nearly so much i'm not people aren't in my face there's not a lot you know so i feel more comfortable here yeah all right well that's it for this time people um Go to the blog. Tell us your thoughts on all the stuff we just said. We got a couple of possible volunteers already. If we want to start adding guests, we'll have to see. For episode um, five hundred. Yeah. Otherwise, we will. We will not just no, not just five hundred. Just in general. Now that we're on Zoom, we could add a guest whenever. Oh, sure. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, we talked last week, and some of them actually got on and said. Craig Only and a couple of those. So apparently, most of you are not interested. Craig and Azure. Exactly. Azure Craig and. Craigen, Craigen, Craig or Talon. Blue, Blue Slough. Wait, something like that. All right. Um, and please tell me if you also feel lost peanut despair. I'm feeling very alone about this right now. Sorry. <laughs> I need some comfort. 
Uh, we will talk to you all next week. Yet another mystery solved by the hosts of the Magical Talking Hat. Do you have a question that begs to be answered? Then please write the hat at themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com. That's themagicaltalkinghat at gmail.com. Also, visit the hat at themagicaltalkinghat.com. The music for this episode was provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. <laughs>